Hello friend, I am Maria and welcome to the Conversations with My Higher Self podcast. This show is about spirituality, consciousness, and the inner workings of the universe at large. My partner Sergey uses hypnosis to bring me into a deep theta state where I get a chance to connect with my higher self. He then interviews me to uncover a wealth of knowledge about higher realms, celestial beings, and various energetic practices. Enjoy! Today, I would like to talk to you about flowers. What are the flowers from the spiritual perspective? Like any other plant, um, flowers as a class, I guess, as a class, they're a, a subclass of um, plants. In terms of their spirit work here on this planet, they tend to represent divine feminine, feminine on planet Earth. So they tend to be kind of these, um, I don't, I don't know, almost like um, letters or um, you know missives <laughs> from divine feminine um, into this third dimensional planet. So in other words, they hold within themselves some um, form of the frequency of the divine feminine, and as such, they help anchor that into this time space reality. Huh. Would you say that their mission is to anchor divine feminine energy on this planet? Anchor and support. Anchor and support. Correct. Huh. Does it mean that all flowers represent feminine? Yes. Huh. Yes. Okay. And some of them skew slightly more androgynous, but they would never represent masculine. So it's it's the range from like feminine into maybe like little bit of the neutral state but they would not go into masculine territory huh and are we talking about all kinds of flowers because i was just looking at i don't know like cucumbers or uh, zucchini i would not consider that flowers they all have flowers (laughs) you know they like they flower and then they have like a vegetable (laughs) yeah i guess we would consider in this particular case we would uh, look at look at them as um a vegetable yeah. as a consciousness even yes. though they have like a flower in the physical correct correct so i meant like flowers that are just there for the sake of flowers that don't produce anything else yeah as a byproduct of their livelihood mm-hmm. so Got to it. Say. And right because uh, let, let, let's say like in, in the case of vegetables a flower is a means to an end it's not the end in and of itself all right yeah what would so you s- we're referring to those plants where the flower is the end game uh-huh. of the plant. Yeah. And what it's would not you, an interim step. What would you say about the sunflower, for example? Just to clarify, like to have a better understanding of what the flower is. What would I say about a sunflower as a consciousness? No, I mean, uh, is it the flower? Because it has like seed, like, you know, sunflower seeds yes it's yes that flower, is definitely right? flower yes yeah. Yeah, yeah 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 okay that's cool and uh do do flowers have any sponsoring entities yes absolutely always i mean um in this particular instance all of these entities again are going to be under the umbrella of the divine feminine and so they tend to be curated by very high level by high level i mean high vibrational um 
feminine spirits that operate at, you know, the level of the spiritual hierarchy. Well, what, kind of, what kind of spirits? A lot of them are angelic beings. Um, like I said, they, they represent parts of the spiritual hierarchy. Um, uh -huh. They generally tend to be, um, they, they tend to work uh, across galaxies, across different worlds. Um, so there's not like a flower that um, is, you know, like only exists, for instance, on planet Earth and doesn't exist anywhere else in, in, in existence. And does it mean that this specific entity is created these flowers for a specific purpose? So, okay, for you to not get confused. Um, let's, let's maybe start very high level and then we're going to go down mm -hmm. so that um, you start getting the full picture. Let's look at divine feminine as a concept. Uh, divine feminine, just like divine masculine, is a range of different energies, right? It's a spectrum. You can think of it just for the simplicity's sake. It, you can think of it as a range of the rain of all the colors of the rainbow, right? Uh, and um, everything in between, the in between states of colors as well, because within the rainbow of spirit, there is no harsh demarcations. Um, there is also the in between states. So, divine feminine has a range. Um, let's say at the level of the universe, right? Um, the different every a single aspect of divine feminine um that would represent the entirety of divine feminine um has spirits right that live under that um particular aspect of the divine feminine so think of it as okay like there is the pink ray of divine feminine and there are spirits that live under the pink ray there is like the blue ray under divine feminine and like there are entities that live under the blue ray etc 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 so as you go down to the level of the planet, certain aspects of divine feminine energies wanted and needed to be anchored into this uh, time-space reality, into this consciousness of planet Earth. So say that it was decided by divine feminine that it wants to anchor the Blu-ray, for example, right, of itself. And I, I use that very loosely because I don't want you to necessarily think of this this as the same as sacred flames because it's not. However, it's a really good analogy of the rainbow. That's why I'm using it here. So bear with me. So say Divine Feminine said, okay, we need to anchor this blue, blue range of my energies here. Underneath this blue energy, she has trillions of souls, right, that resonate and vibrate at that frequency some of these souls volunteer to go and help anchor the energies after the call has been uh, given right so the divine feminine says okay like this is what needs to be done can you do this and so there there are spirits or souls that choose to carry that mission forward um as such right there are a few of them that are sponsoring and they might be sponsoring multiple different flowers across different galaxies that would all represent this blue energy of the divine feminine. Hmm. I don't know if this makes, makes sense. sense. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So while at the, at the soul level, right. Um, you know, the soul exists, all, all, all souls and all spirits exist for the purpose of their own evolution. Um, it is just that in a particular moment in time, there is something that speaks to them about this call from the divine feminine and anchoring energies that 
denotes to them um, like a path towards their personal evolution. So they might take that on as a mission. Now, because these entities, right, they're non-corporeal, as in they don't exist from within the matrix, they need to have a physical object, a vehicle, in order to be able to attach their consciousness to something in the physical, right? And so essentially, on different planets, they may select different vessels, different bodies uh, of florals, of different flowers of different kinds, right? Uh, but they might uh, might be anchoring the same energy across 10,000 different planets and across like 5,000 different looking bodies of those flowers, if that makes sense. Oh, got it. So the physical representation of the flower can have a different energetic meaning on different planets oh we're getting into really dangerous territory yes and also the same exact vibration of divine feminine can have very different flower bodies across different planets right that makes sense okay yeah huh okay so because uh, the flower the shape and the form and the color is just a physical shell Yes, correct, and, correct. And that yes. the energy that is inside is, is what's real. What's real. Correct. Right? That Although I mean define real, right? So like again, like again, dangerous territory because what's real, like every obviously everything that you perceive uh within the matrix is real from a particular perspective. But but because everything is energy, right? The shell of an organism is not the most integral part of that organism. Got it. Yeah, it's the sponsoring so. entity energy that really matters. Yeah. And uh, in this case, is it possible to categorize flowers uh, based on certain properties or, I don't know, maybe even based on the color? Um, I wouldn't do that because there is, th we could create more confusion because poppies, for instance, are red and roses are red but what they carry within themselves is something completely different so just because something is of the same color color has nothing to do with the vibration or the fact that it it represents like a particular side of the spectrum of divine feminine it's not as linear in other words and there you know there are exceptions so i think that that would be quite confusing for me to put you know um uh, to, to give you a classification, I do think, though, probably the best way to categorize is the way that you guys already categorize flowers. For instance, right? A rose, on the one hand, is like there are different kinds of roses, right? First, you, you, you can have them of all different colors. And then you can have the wild rose that really grows on a bush, right? As opposed to like a, a, a you know, a garden rose or like a long stemmed one, right? Now, these are all very similar frequencies. That's why you guys united them under the same umbrella and you call, you're calling each of them, all of them collectively, the rose. Same thing for lilies, right? You know, there are different kinds of lilies and they look very different and there are sub, um, different versions from, uh, you know, underneath that umbrella and they are already united by the energy. I think I would be doing you a disservice if I tried to come up with another way to clusterize flowers. Mm, I see what you mean. And uh, is it possible to have um, like a categorization based on 
the energy they possess or the qualities, energetic qualities they possess? Again, um, there's not enough flowers that you would even recognize uh-huh. uh, for me to be able to provide that categorization. I think we should go flower by flower if you're, if you're uh, curious because there is enough um, complexity even for me to start explaining to you what the difference is between the different colors of the roses. Huh. That's interesting. Yeah, because I remember we had a similar conversation about crystals, but it seems like flowers are more just complex than crystals in this case. Um, I don't know that I would call them more complex. Um, I mean, I think it dep- depends on what layer you're trying to understand. But no, there are no... Um, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't draw that analogy. Because crystals were pretty easy to... Um, classify based on properties like protection and but that's the thing um no okay so i can do that for flowers i'm sorry that you can oh. ask me twenty three three thousand times and there's still going to be the answer is no is it because the variety is so broad or what would be the reason I'm just trying to understand. So they the anchor reason. a particular frequency. They don't necessarily carry with that frequency the protection or they're not going to do the energy cleanse for you. They're not going to help you communicate to other planets. Um, the energy of the flowers works very differently. Um, there is less of a, a spectrum for flowers and flower magic than there is for the magic of crystals. Because, because crystals, A, they're multivibrational beings. Whereas flowers in this particular case, the shell is very 3D. And so they're really anchoring um, energy into 3D. Hmm. So they're not as multidimensional as crystal beings. And as such, they're a lot less complicated. Ah, so it means that's one two mm-hmm. crystals represent the fullness of existence in terms of their spectrum so they would they would have the feminine and the masculine and everything in between whereas flowers is like a more narrow energy stream and a more narrow energy range so for flowers right their main purpose like i said is um because it's divine feminine realm it's really magnetic um, and magnetic type energies, yes, they magnetize things to them, but they also, they're really created to fill up the space. So in the same way that you, you, you know, you can think of it as like fragrancing a space. Um, and I know fragrance actually, ironically, right? A lot of flowers have a fragrance. So maybe that's not such a far-fetched analogy, but um, think of flowers as being able to impart their energy on their surroundings, right? So for instance, if you have a room and you place a flower within the room, the flower will eventually, right? If the room is, I mean, there's ranges that flowers have, but the flower will eventually fill the whole room with its energy and its vibration. And because of that, it is in some ways a cleansing mechanism, but it's also an anchoring mechanism. And when I say an anchoring again, maybe I need to expand here. Essentially, uh, the magic of the flowers works in um, in the way where it's um, it's like diffusion, right? So, like 
a flower, you can think of it as like a mini source, right? Um, of a particular frequency on planet Earth. And by the way, this type of frequency, generally the flowers anchor here. Because this is not a planet where divine feminine runs supreme, the energy of the flowers is quite rare. So I wouldn't want to underestimate the mission that they're playing on this planet. Because for some of them, the types of energies that they're anchoring, they're literally the only thing that anchors this type of energy here. And nothing else does on this planet, if that makes sense. Yeah, that right. makes sense. So again, so like the, the flowers, right? They're this mini baby source, right? Unfortunately, their range is not that big. Generally, the, the range of the flower is just a few feet, right? In each direction. So if they are the epicenter of that energy, they're generally able to um, project their energy um, about five meters in each direction. And that's like the range of the flower. So if you uh, stand or, I don't know, sleep or exist outside of that range, then the impact that the flower has on you is not that great. But if you're in the direct, in the, within the direct vicinity of that flower, you are uh, enveloped in the energies that the flower emits as a mini source of that energy. Now, um, divine feminine energies, like I said, are very hard to come by on this planet, especially in their purest form. You do have, obviously, you have feminine energies on this planet. Like, nobody's going to deny that. It's just what is the form of those energies, right? A lot of them are either diluted or polluted um, or somehow distorted because of all the kinds of different reasons, right? Conditioning, trauma, all kinds of other energy distortions that are preventing divine feminine from coming full force, right? Energy is not being activated, not enough blueprints for, for people to be able to live those energies. So flowers is one of those very, very rare, actually, um, uh, formats uh, of vessels, energy vessels, that are able to anchor in an exceptionally hard-to-come-by but pure streams of divine feminine consciousness and that from that perspective they can be exceptionally healing right but because they all are kind of on the same mission and they have the same type of functionality it's hard to divide them into groups so again like going to the functionality of the flowers right emit a certain frequency anchor certain energies and that's why almost like be contagious right of um around like turning all the other things around their vicinity into that frequency. For instance, rose is a frequency of love for the most part. It's like a, if, if I gave you to like, had to give you like a generic um, frequency. So they emit the frequency of love. And, um, you know, if you were in the vicinity of the rose very close, then you would be ex experiencing love whether you'd like it or not. Like your own emotional body is going to be bombarded by like particles of that frequency, right? Also, same thing with the the mm, the scents that flowers emit, right? Um, as you're inhaling that, it also changes you from within. So it's actually able to anchor that energy through the molecules of scent inside of your own body, and you carry the energy of that flower. Like if you inhale it for up to uh, three days afterwards, and then it evaporates. 
because again, like these energies are really a little bit volatile. They're really hard to anchor on this planet. Um, also, because they em, em, a lot of the frequencies that they emit, em, emit tend to be very nurturing energies, pretty much 100% of flowers are healing, right? And again, it's not because they came here to heal. Healing is just the byproduct of the fact that they carry within the, themselves an imprint of a particular energy that's so hard to come by in this planet Earth that any even small infusion of that frequency, of that vibration, ends up being healing for someone that comes into contact with it. Does that make sense? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, that so that's why, like, again, going back to my original point, flowers are just kind of like these, like, little baby radios that just emit a particular type of frequency. A rose is always a rose is always a rose. 3,000 years ago, 3,000 years down the road, it's going to keep emitting that same frequency for as long as it grows. Mm. I see that, yeah. Okay, uh, does it mean that it's better to look at particular flowers to just better understand flowers in general because it seems like yes. just flowers in general is a very complicated topic without particular examples yes 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 exactly right so yes. we can actually go and look at some specific flowers um want to start with the rose obviously yeah uh, since i mentioned think, it's like six times yeah. already right mm -hmm. <laughs> And uh, I just wanted to maybe see, uh, again, there are things that I don't know, right? And maybe you could just uh, point us to the right direction. Because I was, when I think about a rose, I think about its symbolism, right? And maybe some qualities mm -hmm. and uh, some kind of energy, mm -hmm. uh, energy spectrum or energy qualities. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, maybe some things that you can do with this flower yeah sure i mean we'll, we'll take it one, one at a time right yeah um can i just uh before we we get into the rose there's one thing that i want to say um there is inherent symbolism for every flower that i'm going to be mentioning that was that is planet earth specific symbolism right obviously by the virtue of flowers coming into your existence, your realm, your world, you are going to um, experience them in a very particular kind of way. Not only that, but they become part of your life. They become part of your folklore. So in other words, when you, when, when you just refer to the symbolism of a flower, right? Not everything that is in, inside of the human collective consciousness right now is actually of the divine origin if that makes sense so a lot enough there's enough symbolism for each of these flowers that you guys created on planet earth that does not necessarily reflect anything else outside of your planet does this make it incorrect absolutely not right so you should hold on to whatever symbolism you already associate with certain flowers right and again that comes from conditioning though and, but what I'm going to tell you today is a little bit different. It's a little bit of a different, maybe angle of looking at things. This is a little bit of a different level perhaps, but this is specifically um, around the mission of the flower. Like what is the energy that they came here to transmit, right? What is the energy that they came here to anchor? And specifically from the energy perspective, how can you benefit as opposed to, I don't know, 
Lily, for instance, being the symbol of the French monarchy. Like, we're not going to go there. Like, arguably, who cares? Um, okay, the rose. The rose is interesting because the rose is not only is that the most uh, famous flower for many, many reasons. Um, the rose is one of those entities that um, at soul level has the most supporters for this planet. So there is a whole congregation of feminine spirits that powers the magic of the rose. Um, the rose is... Um, the rose was actually originally sent to this planet to remind this planet of the concept of sisterhood. So it was sent as a healer. Uh, and that is why the group of entities that sponsors it, it's actually 20 feminine entities uh, that sponsor, um, you know, the, this plant phenomenon. So originally what was believed about planet Earth was that the energy of sisterhood was going to be very, very hard to anchor here. Because again, this is not the planet of the divine feminine. This is a very masculine based world and arguably a very low dimensional world. So even true brotherhood here is exceptionally hard to build, especially like the high vibrational aspect of brotherhood love without, you know, backstabbing or jealousy or, you know, territorialism, etc., etc. But the concept of sisterhood was exceptionally hard. That was like a non-starter. Like spirits, as they were looking down on this planet, they couldn't figure out how to anchor the concept of sisterhood. And yet it was believed, right, that until you at least show people what it could look like, um, it would be very, very hard to start integrating the divine feminine energies more deeply into the core of, of, of Gaia, right? So again, um, rose initially, when the first roses came to this planet um, and, and, and started um, growing here, they were actually sponsored by the entities that wanted to birth the concept of the true sisterhood. Uh, that's why very often they would say the sisterhood of the rose is because legitimately the 20 spirits are a sisterhood in and of themselves at the spirit level. And that is the energy that they wanted to transmute here. Um, the two types of roses that were born of the sisterhood idea were the white and the red. Um, and the idea here was that it's the white rose and the red rose are the two sisters. And as, as such, they're not the same. Obviously, there is a, a different symbol for what the red stands for and what the white stands for. Um, the um, Essentially, the two stand for the purity of love. Uh, and the purity of love of, of sisters. But whereas white stands for the purity, the red stands for the love. But together they stand for the purity of love. They are kind of like supposed to almost come together as a double helix and really represent the fact that it's through the feminine connection, through the like treating the other women, you know, when women treat other women as... Um, you know, sisters, can they experience the true purity of love the way that divine feminine meant to experiencing to experience that or to transmit that, if that makes sense. So that was kind of like originally how this this plant came to be on planet Earth. And then from there, all kinds of different varieties of that 
um, existed. So uh, the next type of rose that was created was actually the pink rose. And the pink rose was um, um, symbolic of, it was almost like the hybrid of the two. So if you actually, you know, if you're mixing paints, you know that if you put in enough white and red together, you're going to get the pink. Um, and that was kind of like almost like the fuse in one. And what ended up happening was originally they placed the white roses and the red roses here. And they were not fully successful at communicating the purity of love. In other words, um, the gardens that people were growing or the beings on this planet were growing, um, they were growing white roses separate from the red roses is what ended up happening. And, you know, they would not they would not grow them close enough together that the double helix could even happen. And that was kind of like a must. So what ended up happening was the pink rose was sent here and that in essence became the hybrid of both energies in itself. Uh, the purity of love. Um, from there, there are many other different uh, types of roses that um, that existed um, and, oh, that were birthed. Like the wild rose, for instance, you know, the, the ones that like um, grow on the bushes. They actually represent the trials and tribulations that the soul has to go through before they can integrate the love for the self inside. Um, and actually, um, part of the symbolism of, of the rose in general um, is, is the thorns, right? And the thorns generally symbolize the fact that um, before you can integrate and fully embody those qualities of like, pure, divine uh, love, there's a lot of trials and tribulations. And then there is a lot of kind of like, it's like you need to hone on, um, um, hone in your vessel and like polish your vessel, kind of like the diamond needs to um, be cut in a certain way, right? Um, before it can really shine with all of its facets. The same way, it's, it's almost like the rose, every uh, rose is like a step ladder. If you kind of like look at the thorns, um, they're um, positioned like a stepladder. So you can kind of like go up uh, one level up and one level up on, on the thorns going up before you reach, uh, reach the flower, right? Which again is like the pinnacle of that journey. Um, now, as time went by, you know, um, all, all different aspects. Now, of course, you have red roses now that really do symbolize love. Add, add the from the perspective of the divine feminine. So it's not just romantic love. Um, the red rose is symbolic of all kinds of love, right? And thus they are symbolic also of the state of love, right? As well. So it's part divine feminine, part the state of love. If we're, if we're going back to, um, you know, when we spoke about the, the five-pointed star and the evolution of the world as a concept. Um, and then the white rose, you know, ended up symbolizing purity, purity of the heart, purity of the soul, purity of intention. Um, and then the white rose also uh, represents actually the state of flow in many ways, because the white rose represents the state of unobstructed movement. And um, that's why the white rose is exceptionally, it's, it's a very healing energy 
if you're experiencing any obstacle in your life, and maybe that's where, how I'm going to start bringing it home for you, because you mentioned that you're not entirely sure how to structure this conversation. So I think the most important takeaway from this conversation should be you understanding the energy that each flower transmits so that if you choose to buy a flower or grow these flowers in your house or, you know, in, in you know, backyard or whatever, in your garden, then you know exactly what kind of energy that flower is transmitting so that you can benefit from that and, and actually use the magic of the flowers, right? So how do you partake in the magic of the flowers? Just a quick detour before we go get back into the white, the, the white rose. I don't really want to finish my thought. But okay, um, inhaling the flower, even if you think it doesn't smell like anything, there are some flowers that don't smell like anything. Still, when you inhale the fumes of the flower, you are absorbing into your lungs its life force, right? Because again, the breath, prana, is life force, right? So you're kind of mixing your own life force with the life force of that flower, which essentially you start integrating that into your system. And so, like I said earlier, it'll impart its own frequency vibration into you, into your being for about three days. And then you have to inhale it again <laughs> or, or like buy another flower or whatever. So inhaling the flower, just having it next to you as you're working, as you're sleeping, you know, it, it, whether you're cognizant of it being around or not, you're still, your bodies, your light bodies are receiving that energy. So being in the vicinity of a flower, using an essential oil made from that flower. Um, where you, uh, the best way to connect to the energy of the flowers is, um, um, four points, the right and the left temple and the right and the left wrist for the energy of the flowers specifically. So if you bought essential oil of any flower, what you want to do is you want to take two fingers, um, you guys, you, you, you know, the, 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 uh, pointy finger and the middle finger and you want to dip them into the oil and then you want to make sure that you put enough in like a circular motion right so like how would you apply it on the wrist you would um, uh, do that in a swirly circular motion um, clockwise direction and you would do three swirls um, you would do three swirls with two fingers um, and that is enough to activate the magic of the flower on the wrist so you first want to do the left wrist uh, and you want to do the um, the right temple with uh, your right hand. Then you take the left hand and you do the right wrist and then the left temple. So kind of crisscross a little bit. So that is how you activate the magic of the flower with essential oil. Taking a bath with a few drops of those essential oils, also really good. Um, you want five drops tends to be the magic number for the magic of the flowers because uh, number five is one of the numbers of the divine feminine. Um, it's also the, um, the numer numerical frequency of harmony and balance. And it's really perfect for you to be able to receive that energy. So five drops of essential oil in the bathtub imparts the energy of that flower. Flower essences. Uh, also, it can be five drops and you can put flower essences in your hair. Uh, specifically for uh, flower essences, you can put them um, uh, towards the ends of your hair, in the ends of your hair, um, and kind of like rub, rub it in slightly. And that's how you would impart the energy of the flower. I mean, obviously wearing a flower crown, that is 
you know one of the ancient ways of connecting with the um energy of the flower by the way uh the flower crowns um you know if you make the flower crown yourself the energy of the flower accentuates by up to seven times you can hold on to that frequency uh almost like up to seven times better if you make the flower crown yourself from a particular type of flower another thing that you don't want to do with a flower crown is you know like you want to wear it for like i don't know a few hours or a day and then you don't want to throw it away so you want to preserve the flower crown for about seven days on your nightstand or what have you so that you know the magic of the flowers can be fully imparted into your life as opposed to you know just like throwing the flower crown away so like throwing the flower crown away is a big no-no um you know prior to seven days because it's kind of like squandering away that energy and it's just really not a very uh, nice way to treat mother nature. Um, even drawing a particular flower, ironically. Uh, and I know I mentioned that like generally like it, you need to be in the vicinity of the flower, but there is something about the energy of creation uh, when you're using, like especially if you're doing like a more like lifelike, um, uh, like realistic painting of the flower you know using the colors of like watercolors maybe uh, or oil paints um, that would help you connect to the energy of that flower and benefit from its energies so painting flowers is actually very very healing because um, when you're co-creating with that magic of the flower that could be a very um, long-term impact for your life um, so those people that have painted like like invested the time to actually paint a flower um they may be able to hold on to the magic of their flower for the full incarnation so that could be like a very interesting hack if if you're into painting or would like to learn is to paint certain flowers to be able to really house and preserve those um, energies within your own vessel um yeah okay and then like, why would you even want to integrate the energies of particular flowers? Well, each of them, right, um, each of their frequencies is healing in its unique, special way, right? So being in that healing vibration could help you uh, with a lot of different things. And um, that's, um, that's where I think it would be helpful to start getting into examples. So um, I've kind of started talking a little bit about the white rose. So the white rose is its purity, um, it's um, innocence, um, it's also the remover of obstacles because the energy of the white rose is the energy of the grade zero. So it zeroes out negative frequencies. Um, white rose is actually because of that, because it zeroes out negative frequencies, it's actually a really, really good flower to place in a um, new houses like if you just moved in um you um placing one white rose per room of the house including the bathroom actually um could be a really really nice way to zero out any of the negativity now the white rose is not going to get rid of like dark spirits unfortunately but it would get rid of like if the house is haunted i hate to say this the white rose is not the way to go but um, if it's just like denser energies or, you know, like, I don't know, the couple was fighting or, you know, stuff like that happened, like the white rose is going to be able to detox that environment for you very, very well. 
Um, the white rose is also the remover of obstacles. Um, so it's very healthy for you to have a white rose when you're starting to manifest something. I would call it the flower of manifestation because it removes obstacles. It might not give you, it might not be able to give you momentum, for instance, to, um, or like additional energy to achieve something because this is not the flower of achievement by any stretch of imagination. However, it would remove any things that are in the way for you to be able to achieve something. Uh, by the way, you know how they have these um, uh, flowers now that are preserved and they can be in your houses for like, I don't know, six months in a row. Uh, they anchor the same types of energies as in they work just as well as, uh, you know, the flower that's going to die. So if you're looking to house a particular energy in, inside of your home for like a prolonged amount of time, those preserved flowers still work. Hmm. But the artificial ones, do, you know, don't work as well. You know, if it's just like a plastic rose or whatever, it's, it's not, it's, it's not going to have the same energy. Got it. Okay. Um, do you want to go more into roses? Sorry. Um, if there is anything else, yes. Uh, but otherwise, I have other flowers <laughs> as well. Let me see if there is something else in the rose that I need to tell you about really quickly based on, 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 on your guys' state. Okay. Um, red rose. Why would you want to have a red rose? The red rose is really healthy for... Um, start starting a family actually so um you know really really good energies um the red rose um for like like an anniversary flower also right so anything that has to do with marriage the red rose is a really really good way to preserve that you know high vibrational love both romantic but also the human or soul level love uh, for many many years to come so it's it's, it's one of those energies that like really helps preserve things in their most perfect state and especially when it comes to the energy of love right so again like really really perfect flowers for anniversaries and weddings um as well i know that well, actually it's interesting because you you guys tend to think of, of of this flower i think mostly for like valentine's day less so for wedding uh for weddings you guys go with like white a lot of whites but like the red rose might actually be a really really good one as well um let's see if there is anything interesting about the pink rose like why would you um the pink rose is um it could help actually attract your soulmate into your life so if you're un uncoupled the pink rose is really good um and then the pink rose is also really good if you want to attract a really really good friendship so surrounding yourself with pink roses uh, would actually really enable you to start attracting people who are like like-minded. So if you were, if you were like thinking about your tribe, if you're like missing your tribe or like if you feel like your friends, I don't know, you've outgrown your friends or like you guys are moving in different directions and you, you feel like you could use some more camaraderie and like some more people who are like cut from the same cloth as you, the pink rose is actually a really, really good healthy energy for you. Uh Pink rose is also really good for raising your vibrations. If you're feeling down, if you're feeling depressed, if you're feeling, I don't know, just like 
the winter blues, the pink rose is a really, really, really good remedy for that. Uh, because it uh, would tend to raise your vibrations at least to the heart chakra level and sometimes even higher depending on where you are. So really good high vibrating flower. Um, we can move to other flowers if you want. Yeah. Um, and uh, is it okay for guys to surround themselves? Uh, of course. Flowers? What do you think? Guys don't need divine feminine. Um, <laughs> In the same way that women need the help of divine masculine men need the help of divine feminine in fact if you are go 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 all the time and if you're not leveraging the help of of the feminine aspects of yourself as well as the feminine aspects of the universe you are bound to burn out you're bound to create too much pressure for yourself that you cannot handle you're bound to manifest all kinds of disease in your body so men cannot go on without the help of the divine feminine or they shouldn't, should I say, right? It's not a very healthy, holistic way of being. This is something that it, over time is really, really hard to maintain. And so it is actually, in fact, a very big miss for men to not partake in the magic of flowers. Now, the good news about the magic of flowers, right? Like it's like, I mean, a lot of men are not going to buy flowers for themselves, which is fine. Um, Men connect to the energy of the flowers when they, they buy flowers for women, right? Sometimes it's enough for them, you know, to, as they're like carrying the flower, the bouquet, to give to the woman that they care about. Um, you know, it's enough for them to partake in that energy. But again, I do want to break the taboo around like flowers are for girls because no. Hmm. Got it. Okay, so it's actually very beneficial to, if a man is doesn't have a friend, a girlfriend, right? Then buy buy for yourself. Buy for yourself. Yes. Right. Buy yes. some flowers. Buy buy the flower. Get the flowers, dude. Yeah. <laughs> it's okay. Mm -hmm. Got it. <laughs> That's cool. Uh, let's talk about um, tulips next. Yes. Tulips. All right. Tulips are interesting. Tulips are about um, um yeah, I don't want to confuse you. Oh my god. Um there are about aligned honorable action, which I doesn't mean that and that's where we're getting into a little bit of the androgynous divine feminine. Because what I just said might confuse the hell out of you because I just said action and honorable, which are not the things that you guys associate with women, I don't think. Or at least with uh, like a lot of it tends to be the divine um, masculine territory. Uh, tulips, tulips are still on the divine feminine side. They're just borderline masculine florals. Like they're like kind of like more androgynous side. Still feminine, but like about to t to start tipping into the masculine territory. Um, so just wanted to get this out of the way before I, I can actually tell you about the energy of that flower, right? And if you get confused, stop me and we can address that uh, address that one more time. But um, the tulip is actually is very connected to the concept of honor, but honor that is guided by your heart and by guided by your spirit and divine principles. So it almost has like a little bit of like um, 
you know, King Arthur is very like it is like one one of these archetypical figures that had honor, right? Like his actions were honorable. They were selfless, right? Um, and um, this is actually a very divine feminine principle. Um, is a heart led, honorable action. So tulips are all about you know the dichotomy of taking yourself into account but taking everything else into account um, that's why tulips are exceptionally good for trying to gain perspective so tulips are really good for um you know if, if if you need to make a decision that serves you but also serves the universe tulips are like a very very good balancing flower um, as a flower, they also have a little bit of the Libra energy of this, you know, the, the two scales that like neither one of them is heavier than the other. So they're like the flowers that are looking for seeking balance. Um, so when I say hard base, like an honorable action, the one thing that is really, really important to note here is the energy of the tulip is not how do you serve the world by, you know, by sacrificing yourself like it's not a sacrificial offering it is how can I have myself and have others too you know how can I do good for me and do good for everybody else and that that is why it's a balancing act right so the tulip is one of those like flowers that is going to enable you to make the right kinds of decisions that take into account the whole wholeness and the wholesomeness of all existence so it's a really, really good flower um, also for, well, for those people that, you know, maybe struggle one way or another with balance, either they are too selfish or too selfless, right? Um, they might really, really leverage, um, be able to leverage the energy of the tulip very well. Um, so again, honorable action. Also, Tulip is one of those flowers that would um, enable you to enjoy the action and enjoy being out there. So for those, um, the red tulip is actually a really good um, energy if you're lacking courage. Um, so, but again, it's like hard-based courage, right? It's not courage from the yellow center. It's courage from the green. So it's like courage to love. Uh, and then courage from like the higher centers, right? Um, am I making sense? Like how th like courage can come from different chakras? Yeah. D is that like a foreign concept for you? Um, if you feel that it's kind of unknown concept for the well, yeah, I guess for the humanity, then, then yes, it would be great. To yeah, it's just a have little bit. Yeah, there's just a little bit of confusion because if you go um, down the rabbit hole with with me. Um, and if if you've en enough of you at this point have listened to some other episodes, uh, but the concept of courage, and especially on this planet, is very often attached to the yellow center, the solar plexus, and the connection with the sun and the lion energies, which is not incorrect. It is actually correct. However, the energy of the tulip is very different. It operates with higher chakral courage. So twofold, really, two main energies here. Heart-based courage is the courage to love and express your love freely. It's the courage to be compassionate and express compassion freely. It's the courage to be nurturing, right? 
that's the kind of courage that the tulip can bring. And that's why like it is such a borderline flower because courage is essentially a masculine concept. But the courage of the heart is not. It's a feminine concept. Okay. And then the other type of courage that the, the tulip really brings is the courage to express yourself. And that is really the throat chakra. So it's the courage to speak your truth. It's the courage to walk your path. It's the, the, the courage to already deal and untangle your karmic knots instead of like leaving them for a rainy day or for like for tomorrow, right? So especially the red tulip is all about courage and getting into that action. So if you feel like you have been procrastinating, if you feel like you cannot get on with, with something or like, you know, you're like, okay, I have, I've, I've definitely, I know I need to do this. I just don't know where to get courage. Or like you need the courage to quit your job. Ironically, the energy of the tulip, if you're meant to quit your job and if, if that is your soul path, the energy of the red tulip is going to help you get there. Um, the uh, energy of the white tulip is actually all about divine judgment also. Again, going back to um, the concept of the scales. Um, but this particular judgment, what I mean by that is more so discernment, you know. So if you don't know the way, if you don't know the path, if you don't know if you should trust someone, if you don't in, don't know if you should trust yourself, the energy of the white tulip is actually really, really good to foster that discernment and foster that like divinely guided judgment of like, I know what should be done. I know what the right thing is for me and for that person. So that's the energy of the tulip. Nice. Let's talk about daisies next. Daisies. Um, daisies is experiencing um, innocence, and daisies is actually the um, uh, the divine feminine uh, child archetype uh, is represented in the daisies. Um, I know the divine the divine child actually ironically on this planet is mostly connected to the masculine archetype. I'm just I just want to point that that out because this is what's coming through the uh, human collective, right? And that that is your, um, you know, shadow a little bit. Like shadow doesn't mean bad. Shadow just means hidden. You guys are not aware of it. So when you think of the divine child, you think a boy. Maybe because it's Jesus. Maybe because you think of a lot of, uh, like God as masculine. It could be part of that same situation right um daisies represents the divine feminine child archetype um so these are all the things that all the good things about being a little girl uh and, which again not to say that it's not applicable to men so just listen to the frequency um so the frequency of of the 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 divine feminine child is innocence full acceptance of what is curiosity, um, youthful uh, energy and like enthusiasm. It's kind of like the running around and like doing cartwheels. Um, the energy, ironically, the energy of gratitude, which is borderline acceptance, but it's, it's kind of like, you know, really being present in the moment and being happy in the moments, also a little bit of like the energy of joy. So like the, the picture that I want you to imagine when you think of daisies, um, actually in, in terms of like acceptance, it's like this little like five-year-old girl in like um, a white dress, like really flowy white, like floor length dress, standing on a beach, 
and she's standing right next to the ocean and the ocean is starting to caress her feet a little bit so it's like a wave comes and goes it's the ebbs and flows of the ocean and she's standing there with her eyes closed and she's smiling and she's just being present in that moment and like the sun is shining and her hair is just like flowing in the wind and and she's really happy like she's not doing much maybe in that moment but she's fully present to the feel of the sun on her skin to the feel of the ocean in her on her feet the wind in her hair and just the caress of the fabric of her dress but she doesn't feel like she needs to be anywhere do something achieve something get money get fame success power any of that she is already abundant by just being in the moment and being the child the daughter of, of, of God and goddess, essentially, right? So it's that feeling of being full. And yes, it's a little bit naive because maybe she doesn't know better. But also, maybe there is not, you know, anything out there that she's missing because she already has it all, right? So that is the energy of the daisy. Um, so the energy of the daisy is actually exceptionally healing for those people that are experiencing a pretty ma massive inner critic. Good news is daisies and chamomile, kind of the same thing, part of the same vibration. So you can drink chamomile tea if you have issue with the inner critic. Now, I'm not going to say that that's going to heal you, but that's going to alleviate it. For those of you that are in tune with your own like internal like situation, and for those of you that are listening to your own body, you would be able to notice that um, your inner critic is really at its quietest in the next hour after you drink a cup of chamomile tea. Uh, it's ironic, but it is true. And and if, if you like try to run experiments, you, you would notice. And like, how would you run an experiment? You drink the tea. Uh, actually, what you want to do is before you drink the tea, um, you know how to like measure your inner critic? You probably don't know, but I'm going to tell you. Um, your inner critic, it has a range of like one to 10. So you want to, you want to measure your inner critic, uh, like each of you, by the way, has, has like a particular frequency at which this inner critic shows up. Like an inner critic is one of the very, very common splits within human consciousness for which you need to do part work. But the inner critic for all of you is going to be a range of like one through 10, 10 being ex exceptionally loud in my face, talk, like tells me what's wrong with me all the time. And one being hardly ever there. And so um, if, if you're working with the energy of the chamomile or like daisies, whatever, you, you know, you want to measure your inner critic where it is normally. Like, and you would have your normal like threshold, or, like your critic is at a six or your critic is at a seven. Um, upon drinking chamomile, it generally brings it three notches down uh, for the next hour. So you kind of want to measure before and you measure after and uh, after drinking like maybe 10 15 minutes uh, you know in, into drinking that cup of tea and you will see that it's really good with uh, fixing the inner critic uh but again like daisies the energy of that is really and especially the crown the flower crown of daisies is exceptionally healing uh in terms of like the um the overachiever complex you know or anything that like you know, you need to earn self-love or you need to be something before you can get self-acceptance, 
self-acceptance or acceptance from others right so again it's like the the joy of the moment you can really get that frequency of just being loved and accepted and cherished for who you are from this flower and it's a very beautiful energy I love daisies. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> there is always a reason why people love certain flowers. Of course. Yeah. You know what the reason is? No, tell me. That means that they need the medicine of those flowers. Ah. Yes. Okay. Yes. So if you if you like roses, it means that it's a sign. It's a sign. Yes. Got it. It's it's like you're craving it. As soon as you're healed, you kind of lose interest in, in the flower. I mean you're never you're like you're never gonna go from like fully love to fully hate but uh you're not gonna like experience this like the warm fuzzies inside as much mm, that makes sense yeah actually um i had one question um it can be hard to understand uh, for the u.s audience but because the flower is it right it doesn't have a gender right um in in english mm -hmm. right as i understand right mm -hmm. and uh i know that in some languages uh like objects actually have gender right for example in in the like in slavic languages they have um like for example rose it's she and tulip it's he mm -hmm. is there a reason um before i comment on that a lot of a lot of genders are messed up and some of them are messed up quite intentionally but in this particular instance uh yes uh it um the genders do reflect um the spectrum of of where that flower falls between the masculine and the feminine mm. and when you said androgynous it like tulip it kind of gravitates towards masculine that's why so okay in slavic it has yeah feet. yeah okay so here's i know it's confusing but i'm gonna do my best to explain imagine there is a line um with two end points one point is feminine and the other point is masculine and then smack in the middle there is point zero that is neither it's like the most androgynous of both it's both the masculine and the feminine polarity in one um, the tulip, you know, is going to be positioned in the feminine, in the divine feminine side of the spectrum, but it is very close to that zero point at which things become masculine. Mm. So as far as the feminine consciousness is considered, it is kind of masculine. I see. Because it's androgynous, but it's it's like relation based on relationships, right? Yeah. Relate. It's it, you know this is like a relational psychology, right? It's only masculine in relationship to everything else that was feminine prior to it, but it's still in the realm of divine feminine. And your language does reflect that. For instance, in the Russian language, the tulip and the sunflower are masculine. Ironically, both are on the androgynous side of the spectrum they're going to be closer to that middle point hmm. and rose for instance and lily are going to be on the opposite side really like all the way feminine rose is about so it's it's almost like um 
imagine like um divine feminine is that point of divine feminine like 100% of divine feminine is 100 let's say it was like denoted by the number 100 and then the androgynous point would be a zero right so it's the range from zero to 100 and let's imagine that the masculine is going to be from zero to minus 100 does this make sense yeah okay um rose is going to be 98 lily is 88 in terms of how feminine it is. So it's really close to the 100% all feminine, girly, girly, girly stuff. Tulip is 13. Oh. Sunflower is two. But it is still above zero. I got it. Okay. Yeah. Yay, thank God. No, I mean, it's pretty obvious now that you're explaining this. <laughs> yes, but like it look look how long it took us to get here. No. <laughs> we really struggled. But still very helpful. Yeah. Awesome. And uh yeah, let let's finish this episode with um, orchids. Okay. Um an orchid um and uh, using this analogy, an orchid is about like um like in the forties. Um, an orchid is actually a very Venusian flower. Uh, an orchid is um, meant to anchor the energies of beauty and um aesthetics, right? The pleasing aesthetics. So uh, a lot of it is beauty and harmony. So beautiful and harmonious energies. So um, it is things like. Um, the golden section, right? So it's all things beautiful from like the perfect angles within an architectural building. Uh, like in, in terms of like how broad you should think about beauty to the like the symmetry of a human face to the the beauty of a natural landscape, right? So all of these Venusian energies of beauty are incorporated within the energy of the orchid. So the orchid is meant to uh, anchor almost perfection, for the lack of a better word, because like things that you guys perceive beautiful are the things that are the most symmetrical and the most perfectly aligned, right? So because of that, the orchid really stands for uh, for like the beauty of perfection and the perfection of beauty. Uh, and that aspect of the divine feminine. So, you know, that's why orchids are like very often used for decoration is because they, they like, they really do rearrange the space. It's actually interesting. So the orchid works with the, the matrix structure of each room. Um, and it aligns it in a way that it lits up the whole, um, and, and what I mean by the matrix structure some of you are like as, as, I'm, as I'm talking I'm also getting feedback from the collective they're like what's the matrix structure of the room what the hell so the matrix structure of the room is essentially a um, vertical and horizontal lines that cross each other and they form these like cells essentially um, or or kind of like like a, um, a chess board you know like a, a bunch of different squares that is the matrix structure uh, the matrix structure, literally everything within your world has a matrix structure, which is kind of like the energetic skeleton upon which everything else dwells. Now, the orchid, once the orchid gets inside of the energetic structure of the room, it rearranges itself 
and it beautifies spaces around it. So um, if the proportions are off energetically for the room, that might not be fully visible or you like you might not even understand what's off about the room uh you like you might just walk into into the room and feel like there's something about it that's missing here or like you might walk into a room and be like there's something about this that feels like not put together enough the orchid is like the flower that can literally be the 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 crown jewel of your room with a cherry on top of that room that like literally arranges the rest of the energy so that the room all of a sudden turns from like an ordinary room into a beautiful room. That's the energy of the orchid. Hmm. That makes sense. I wonder. Um, hmm. Like it really changes places, spaces like and not 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 just like um, like in, in other words. And I think you've noticed it like if, if you've uh, and that's why like an orchid is such like um, a popular gift for like um uh, like when people are moving for like a housewarming party, uh-huh. uh, there is like the before and after is dramatic energetically for oh. spaces. And because they're like energetically there, um, there is a dramatic difference. Visually, there is also a difference. So like a, a lot of you would walk into a room and be like, oh, this is what, what a pretty orchid. Not only is the orchid pretty, but it has transformed the, the, the whole like energetic structure of the room and it made it beautiful, more perfect, less distorted. Um, rooms with perfect energy don't experience as much or as many, should I say, energy clots. So a room with an orchid is going to be energetically better able to resist any kind of negative energies, stress, um, I don't know, any type of, um, I don't know, sadness, grief, anything like the orchid just repels that because that is not perfection, right? Any negative vibrations don't vibrate at the energy of perfection or beauty for that matter. Um, it's a different kind of vibration. So it'll like, it'll actively repel those things that are not perfect from your personal space. So it's a very resourceful flower to have. For you even when it's not blooming by the way even when it's not blooming but of course when it's blooming it's even you know it's 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 at its prime and the orchid is one of those flowers that doesn't have any scent correct uh, and uh does it mean that it doesn't influence your energy or like um oh do you mean is it gonna make you be- look uh, feel beautiful <laughs> Yeah, yeah. You mean like we we spoke about the space, but what about the yeah? Orchids level? mostly work with spaces, not so much people. Mm. Yeah, got it. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's cool. Awesome. Yeah, thank you so much for giving us all this amazing information about flowers, and uh, there is definitely more, and uh, I think we'll have just another episode talking about more flowers. I'm going to end this session. Thank you so much for listening to Conversations with My Higher Self podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode. If you have a suggestion for a topic we should explore in the future, please email us at hello at conversationswithmyhigherself.co. If you resonate with our message, please consider leaving us a review or sharing this episode with your friends.
the world is going to be better off for it. With much love, Maria and Sergei.